This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Jump, jump, the house is jumping. <laughs> jump, jump, the house is jumping. Ugh, what an iconic party. I mean... Pat, say what you will about Pat. She knows how to but throw a party. But my girl knows how to throw a party. Yeah. She knows how to get the house jumping. <laughs> she is... Yeah. Oh, Pat is... Pat's an icon. Mm-hmm. She's... Megan, uh, you know, Ma- we love Megan. Yeah. In this house, we love Megan. But... But, uh, you know, she Pat is the blueprint. Yeah. And then we're like, there's Hal from 2001 A Space Odyssey. And Hal wishes... He was Pat. Oh my God! How in Hal's dreams? And is Pat a direct, obvious ripoff of Hal? Uh, no, no, not even a little bit. No. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, I, I I trailed off for a second because I was trying to remember what Pat stood for. Oh, I, and I was like PP and toilet paper. Hilarious. Wow. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah, no. Ooh, brain is dust. <laughs> what does it stand for? Personal applied technology. Okay, that Which is so generic, it could mean anything. That, I believe it. I believe it. Okay, this movie has everything. It has an evil house mm. played by Katie Seagal. Mm-hmm. She should have won an Emmy for this, <laughs> but she didn't because she's only in five minutes of the movie. Mm. We have a girl boss that we are rooting for even though she's clearly on a destructive path and oh my god fast forward sarah's timeline 20 years i don't want to know Ooh, tim apple um (laughs) there's this move yeah and also other things but most importantly those characters are so iconic and so we are here to cover okay wait should we start over (laughs) no we are speaking of amazing paths we are on one 
This is the Bechtel cast. Hello, my name is Caitlin Durante. My name is Jamie Loftus, and this is our podcast where we look at your favorite movies using an intersectional feminist lens through personally applied technology that we have been developing over the last seven years. Yes, 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 yes. And we use the Bechtel test yes as a jumping off point to initiate a larger conversation the Bechtel test yeah what is it Caitlin get me up to speed it is a media metric created by queer cartoonist Alison Bechtel Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes called the Bechtel Wallace test it Mm -hmm. originally appeared in Alison Bechtel's comic Dykes to Watch Out For in the 80s it was intended as just like a a goof a joke a lark in the comic strip um but it has been made into this media test many versions of it the one that we use is this two characters of a marginalized gender Mm -hmm. uh, they have to have names Mm -hmm. Uh, they need to talk to each other And the conversation has to be about something other than a man. And we especially like it when it's a narratively impactful conversation and not just, hello, here's a strawberry smoothie. But iconically, this movie passes the Bechtel test quite a bit. And I think that there are several important exchanges between particularly Pat and Sarah mm-hmm. that, you know, this, I just, uh, so we're covering Smart House, a uh, stunningly common request. <laughs> um, yes. But but I do think that it is one, of, it's a Disney Channel original movie from 1999 directed by LeVar Burton. Hello, yeah. jump scare. Uh-huh. Incredible. I know. It is by most people's metrics considered to be one of the greatest DCOMs of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it is a uh, millennial classic. And it holds up in a lot of regards extremely well. And then in other mm. regards, uh, no, it's camp. <laughs> it's camp, Caitlin. Yeah. When the when uh, Angie is jumping on her bed to bewitched say la vie yes. at length, it's almost like bewitched is paying them to do it, which they almost certainly are. Um, <laughs> God, we have some real '90s deep cut, like uh, bewitched Irish girl group, mm-hmm. kind of a one hit wonder. Unless you count their cover of Hey Mickey, which I thought was pretty great. Okay, sure. But uh, yeah, their big hit Say La Vie features heavily, mm-hmm. and then oh my god, one of my favorite songs of being like six was Ryan Merriman and his merry troop of boys <laughs> do. A choreographed it. I never get over this scene. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's like a, a very popular scene if you grew up with this movie, but it's to a, ba- a boy band called Five. Uh-huh. Couldn't be more of a one hit wonder. And even that's kind of a stretch, but I remember them. Yeah. And their hit song was called Slam Dunk the Funk. Yes. It, and yes. And boy, did they do a choreographed dance to Slam Dunk the Funk. Okay. I, and they crush it. I, at this point, I'm like, this is the most cute boy behavior in the entire world i'm in it was endearing i did not realize that was an actual song and i just figured it was like one of those like corny song like fake songs that was written for this movie and inserted into the movie to pretend like this is a popular song that everyone knows i did not realize it was a real ass oh my god i was so like I had so many older cousins that I feel like I I had a wealth of boy band knowledge. 
mm. before it even made sense to because like everyone was like five years older than me I mean oh. they're like the cutest boys are in O-Town no the cutest boys are in, in- you know NSYNC mm. versus Backstreet Boys as the obvious oh, one gosh. but you also have 98 degrees have LFO 98 degrees and then you have flops like O-Town and five <laughs> but I but O-Town did do you remember that song because I want it all or nothing at all. oh yeah. my god so many boys at this time mm-hmm. and we honor them boys and bands no that song is real i think that the house is jumping is not real <laughs> no that definitely sounds like a fake feels pretty song. on theme <laughs> it would be wild if that song already existed lavar burton would have been jumping for joy mm-hmm. unfortunately i think they had to commission the house is jumping <laughs> <laughs> incredible okay so and so the reason we're doing this movie is that we discovered that all of the movies that we are releasing in july mm-hmm. three of the four that were like planned were live action disney movies because we've got the hannah montana episode that was a live show mm-hmm. that came out we wanted to do you know a very like american jingoist movie so of course we were like national, national treasure two um, the Haunted Mansion's coming out, so we're doing The Haunted Mansion. Yes. We also, I mean, I feel like even though we're covering Disney movies and, you know, we should go to jail for that. Um, yes. But but honestly, on a long enough timeline, every movie is going to be a Disney movie and then we would have to cancel the show. It would be challenging. Mm-hmm. They're simply acquiring so many things. They're so scary. But even within these live action Disney movies, um, there's sort of a wealth of different genres. You've got like... The action with National Treasure 2. Mm-hmm. You've got the coming of age movie with Hannah Montana. You've got the horror movie with Haunted Mansion. Mm-hmm. And you've got the sci-fi thriller that we know as <laughs> Smart, Smart House. House. Yes. I want an alternate ending to this damn movie. I would also, I, as, as tired as this genre of movie is, and I feel like it's already kind of dying off, mm. I wouldn't hate... As long as LeVar Burton also directed it, I would not hate Smart House 2. Mm. An extremely smart house. Sarah is ruining the world. Mm-hmm. Pat, uh, uh, Ben has fallen in love with Pat. Oh. They're secretly married. Wow. He's married to the house. Interesting. An- Angie, has, Angie hasn't spoken to the family in years. She's a communist. Uh-huh. The dad, twist, he's dead. Yeah, well, he's my least favorite character. <laughs> yeah, Sarah Anyways. is basically on a path to becoming the Oscar Isaac character from yes. Ex Machina. One of the many movies that this Disney Channel original movie that came out 20 years before <laughs> shares a ton of parallels with. Yeah. This movie is so brilliant. I love it. What is your history <laughs> with Smart House the movie though? I had Caitlin. never I had never seen it. <gasps> yeah. Wow. Again, how do you feel? Well, the only time I watch DCOMs is for this podcast. I had never seen any of them. That's true. And so I, but I just, I just sort of thought you would have started watching them in your spare time. Well, okay. I did watch one, actually two of my own accord and it was Mm -hmm. Teen Beach Movie 1 and 2. I remember. And those movies rock and roll. They do rock. So. And they roll. And don't forget, they roll. <laughs> they rock, they roll, and they rule. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, I've never seen any decoms on purpose. Well, this is an early one, and it is a classic. It's the best. Uh-huh. Uh, I first saw this movie. I don't think I would have 
seen it when it came out. I was probably too young when it came out. Mm-hmm. But they rerun these damn things on, on the Disney Channel all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I think probably I had seen it by the time I was like 10. Yeah. It may be even a little sooner. Um, and it's just such a fun movie. But it also, like, I don't know. I feel like it captures... It's it's definitely I think at its core a cautionary tale. I would be so curious what the uh, writing process was in terms of how, figuring out how to end this movie in a way that wasn't terrifying to children, because the right. ending is bizarre and feels dissonant with what the rest of the movie is, especially because especially because Pat essentially takes her own life at the end yes. of the movie. It's and then she lives in jail forever but that's the happy ending uh-huh. we'll come back to it mm-hmm. um I, I understand why this movie can't a- end in a terrifying cliffhanger because it is for eight-year-olds yes. but i just think it's like a fascinating moment in time of like uh excitement about technology uh, but mm-hmm. also uh fairly cautionary tale and it at first I was like, oh, it's so random that LeVar Burton would direct this. But it actually really isn't because he, at this point, I, I will talk about some, like, a couple of interviews that he he did with, on this movie's um, 20th anniversary a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. But, like, at this point in his career, he was Mr. Star Trek. And, like, yes. he's playing Geordi LaForge and, and he had um, directed a ton of episodes of Star Trek. So, mm. I, you know, like, technological cautionary tales are, in fact, extremely in his wheelhouse. And he's probably one of, like, the most, like, the best, most interesting choices to direct this movie. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this movie accidentally really packs a punch. And I love it. And the stuff that holds up is kind of incredible. And <laughs> the stuff that doesn't is, I was mostly laughing. I also yeah. think it's so funny that the guy that plays the dad, who is by far the biggest flop character, can't stand him. He's first of all, with all due respect to this guy, a very weird actor. Where some of his lines of dialogue are like, "My children," and you're like, "What?" <laughs> he just sometimes will end a conversation or like mark the entering and exiting of Ryan Merriman by being like, "My children," and you're like, "What the fuck?" I also love that his name is Kevin Kleiner. Kevin Kleiner, <laughs> yeah. Just as like he's Kevin Klein, but more so. <laughs> no, wait, wait, it's not Kleiner, it's Kilner, but close enough. No, it's Kevin Kleiner. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> he, he had to change it because people were just like, what do you mean? Mm. Kevin Klein's just an, enough. We don't need more. <laughs> I like Kevin Klein. I don't, is he, I like him too. I think that's still a safe opinion to have. We don't know. I know. Um, <sighs> You, you never, never know, know in this world. I I think that I I I think I like Kevin Klein. Yes. Can't say that for all Kevin. As Kevin's. we say cautiously. Yes. I mean there's no one's going to beat the top Kevin of all time and you know who that is, Caitlin. Kevin Lemignon. Kevin Lemignon. That's yeah. exactly right. Um <laughs> Bello. Okay. <laughs> Bello, wake up. Smell the hot Banana. bananas. bananas. <laughs> Smell the hot bananas. Oh my gosh, wait, really quick. Okay, this is this episode will have a bit of a Matreon feel to it for those of you on our <laughs> Matreon because when it's just the two of us, it's just tangents all day. Um, yeah. My mom and I, because we have, my family's had a biannual timeshare on the outskirts of Orlando for right. 20 years. Mm-hmm. And next summer is 
our trip and my mom has specifically set it up so that I can meet her in Florida to see Despicable Me 4 with her at City Walk. Wow. She's so excited. Wait, is there a Minions ride at Universal in Orlando? Yes. And okay. it's like, it's it's kind of like Kevin Kleiner than the <laughs> Minions ride at okay, Universal okay. Studios Hollywood. They, they're they building out like a whole new like land section. Whoa. That's even, that's because I think at, at at Universal Studios Hollywood, it's sort of like just the theme park from Despicable Me One, mm-hmm. but they're they're going full minions. They're like, no, we're doing villain con. We're Whoa. going for it. Okay, I can't wait. It's going to be great. The minions are, um, from what I can tell, they're busting out of jail yet again. These <laughs> rascals, I love them. I, the minions are anti-carceral, and mm-hmm. that's canon. Okay, yeah. Smart House. <laughs> uh, I watched it a lot when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I actually had seen it pretty recently because my um, boyfriend was homeschooled and didn't have Mm -hmm. cable and hadn't seen smart house and so I had to fix that and now it's fixed I'm so excited to talk about it great shall we get into it let's do it okay let's take a quick break first and then we'll come back for the recap (laughs) bye-bye this is it your moment This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Bello, we're back. (laughs) (laughs) Never gets old. Okay, so here's the recap of Smart House. We meet a house, but it's not just any house, Jamie. Mm. It's a smart house. Yeah, this house this house has brains for days i love a good i was trying to think of other movies that open with some sort of 
suburban paperboy gag. I feel like there's other movies that start with paperboys. Doesn't Barb and Star open? Oh, yes, it does. Way? Oh, my God. Okay, that's a superior paperboy scene. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I feel like, yeah, paperboy scenes um, or, you know, paper paper child. Paper person. Paper yeah. person. Uh, <laughs> paper child is a little scary sounding. There. <laughs> And then, I mean, well, and then you have newsies. newsies. That's the ultimate. I mean, that's Paperboy the movie. Yeah. God, I've been listening to it so. I've been listening to the soundtrack so much. It's going to show up on my Spotify year end list. Very embarrassing. No. Anyways, we start with a, a classic Paperboy scene, which will pay off later. Yes. Believe it or not, I love. I mean, love, love. We've got Lavar Burton at the helm. <laughs> There's not going to be a, a loop left unresolved. No, 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 no. Um, okay, so we meet this smart house, which was designed by a woman named Sarah Barnes, played by Jessica Steen. Yes. Who designed this house and gave it all of these like advanced capabilities, which we will learn more about in a little bit. But basically, the house has this AI operating system called PAT, which stands for pee pee poo poo and toilet paper. That's a, um, <laughs> that's exactly. Uh, we are just um, really smart people. Uh, yeah, yeah. Voice smarter Katie, even than the house. <laughs> voiced by Katie Seagal, who I never watched this show, but I know a lot of people know her as Peggy Bundy on Married with Children. Right. As well as I, I didn't know she's also Leela on Futurama. Okay, so that's what I recognized her voice from. I was like right whose voice is this i know this and then turns out futurama she's a legend everyone loves her and she is also pat i loved thinking about katie seagal in just like a vo booth doing 90 percent of the work for this movie mm-hmm. where it's just like her saying ben like 50 <laughs> times now ben now ben oh my god she's so like mommy like she's so uh, i mean it's, it's wild yeah yeah i am a mother like no other you're like what <laughs> oh it's great yes okay so sarah again that's the designer slash engineer of the house not really exactly sure what her job is science but... is a little wonky but it wasn't ex machina as well mm, right she's a woman in stem it's safe to say yes and she has launched this contest where some lucky family will win the house. And Mm -hmm. that really begs the question, why would they (laughs) not sell what would probably be a very, like, lucrative house to sell? But they're just giving it away. I I wasn't as thrown by that as why have they not had Sarah live there for a while or had someone, like, Mm. test run the house that eats your blood when you walk in. Um, yes. It seems like there would be some sort but I guess, you know, even with a lot of tech today, the regulation just isn't there. And sometimes it takes the house almost killing a family I mean, to realize that maybe there should have been some sort of yeah, test. self-driving cars that run people over, etc. Which is one of my biggest issues with this movie is like, people should be more mad at Sarah than they are, but... <laughs> Um, they're always like, no, girl boss, like she's doing her best. And I was like, she made this. She made yeah. the house that's trying to eat you. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Well, my head canon was that the reason they're giving it away rather than like putting it on the market to sell is that it's like a prototype that they want to test out via 
a family. Yeah, that would make sense. And it's also like that's so decom of like starting a movie with a kid winning a contest that you're kind of like, mm. yeah, happens all the time in these movies. Got it. Okay, so then we meet Ben Cooper, who's played by Ryan Merriman of Final Destination 3 fame. Is that the one? That's not what he is most famous for. He is sort of the king of DCOMs for, like, he is, like, running this channel for (laughs) some time. He has three classic Disney Channel original movies that he stars in back to back to back. Okay. He is, of course, Ben Cooper in Smart House. Who hmm. could forget Ben Cooper in Smart House? Not me. Hanging uh, with Mr. Cooper, basically. Two years later, he is in iconic basketball film, The Luck of the Irish, where he plays himself as well as he, but he's like a basketball player. He's always a basketball player in these movies. Disney loves, because the characters in High School Musical play oh, yeah. basketball. Oh, oh, Carbon Blue. Uh, well, yeah, and I guess Zac Efron. Yeah, like yeah. the first one's very basketball coded. Yeah, just like a 13-year-old playing basketball, this channel can't resist it. So The Luck of the Irish is a movie about Ryan Merriman, who's a like teenage basketball player who then is turned into a leprechaun. <laughs> and it's funny because now he is too short to play basketball. Oh, um, huh. And then he is in kind of a serious one that I don't remember as being very good, but a young Misha Barton is in it, mm. and it's called A Ring of Endless Light. Oh, my. It's it's a sad one. And then he was like, I need to get the fuck out of here. I'm going to go star in Final Destination 3. And later, iconically, for big fans of Pretty Little Liars, uh, he mm. does play a pretty pivotal early character in Pretty Little Liars. And okay. uh, he's killed by a bell at the church. And then he wasn't on the show after that. Whoa. He has really been exclusively in really campy movies for his entire career. It's interesting. Uh-huh. But yeah, I think Smart House is sort of his big claim to fame. His first big, or just like his first big thing. Okay. But I think he's talented. I think he's a good child actor. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Lukewarm, yes. <laughs> Okay, so Ben Cooper is a 13-year-old boy who has been entering that contest to win the Smart House so that he and his younger sister Angie and his dad Nick, that's Kevin Kleiner, Kilner slash Kleiner, can move in to the Smart House. Uh, I just want to add really quickly that to just close the loop on this whole basketball thing, uh-huh. um, at the beginning of the movie, you know that Ryan Merriman's character likes basketball because he's playing basketball outside. But in case that wasn't clear enough, his sweatshirt also just has a picture of a basketball on it. <laughs> and it's that cinematic subtlety that leads me to believe maybe this kid likes basketball. And so later when Kevin Kleiner's like, why don't you play basketball? I'm like, why doesn't he play basketball? He's obsessed with basketball. Well, he tells us it's because he's too busy being the mommy of the family. He's mommy now. (laughs) I think that Ben is an interesting character. Anyways, um, the outfits are camp. Great. They're amazing. (laughs) I'm laughing at the picture you just sent me. Okay. So Ben, like we said, he's like, quote unquote mommy because he's doing a lot of the household chores and a lot of the work to keep the family together and he knows that a smart house could help pick up the slack so that's why he's so 
adamant about entering and hopefully winning this contest. Mm -hmm. The next day, the contest winner is announced and it's Ben. And he finds out at school and his friends are like, wow, good job, Ben. There's a very uh, 1999 reason that he doesn't find out at home. And it's because he's on the (laughs) internet too late. So the phone, the landline can't ring. And if you don't understand what that means, then... Congratulations, you're young. You should ask your parents before you listen to that show. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And then they also call a landline and leave a message on the answering machine, which they don't get because they're not at home. Very 1999 problems. There used to be so many ways to not know things. (laughs) (laughs) I miss it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, so his friends are congratulating him. And then there's also this kid, Ryan, I think is his name, who bullies Ben. Yeah, which you can tell because of how spiky his hair is. Exactly. And he calls (laughs) the bully, his big mean nickname for Ben is Benny Boy. (laughs) And he's like, hey, Benny Boy, do my homework for me. (laughs) I'm like we need to punch up Ryan's I'm not scared enough of him I Uh -uh. like yeah I love that like I mean I think that this is like still kind of true in children's media Um, but it's like if if uh, an actor has spiky hair it means they're either a bully or just a general little stinker Mm -hmm. or the hair is not flat if you're a little stinker but I mean, like Ben's hair is pretty spiky. I mean, that was just. And he's the... a little stinker. He is a little stinker. But he's also mommy. I love Ben. I'm rooting <laughs> for him. But the way he talks to his little sister is so evil. He's so mean to his sister. He's, he's so mean to Sarah. He does not respect women. Um, no, <laughs> he doesn't. Except he loves Pat. He loves Pat, and he loves his she's... dead mom because yes, this is a Disney movie. Therefore, there is a dead mom. We're gonna need to kill the mom. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so Ben and Angie and their dad, Nick, meet Sarah, who acquaints them with the smart house and with the operating system, Pat. And Nick is like, hubba hubba. Oh, Nick Nick is such a fucking dolt. He, like, (laughs) when he learns that they won a free house in the newspaper, he immediately was like, who is that? Hubba. I was like, you just won a house, you weirdo. Why are you horny? And you're on the phone with your 10-year-old son. Stop being horny. (laughs) This is yet another movie. This is also very era specific of like a movie in which a young girl is obsessed with the sex life of her father yeah it's what is this like an American Ashley <laughs> yeah but it's just oh it's so weird of like I want a new mommy shut up Ben let dad go have sex with this lady we I'm like what and then Why? Ben is like absolutely not our dad is never going to fuck again he's also obsessed and then also the dad is so willing to engage in that conversation where it's like were I Kevin Kleiner <laughs> I would be like shut up you guys like mm-hmm. I, I it's not your business right and, and but also he is welcoming the discussion by being such a weirdo and being like "Ooh, a wooga <laughs> like yeah weird family weird weird family it's a very interesting dynamic they're going through a lot but (laughs) for crying out loud yeah okay so then we learn about what pat is able to do 
Pat is basically AI and Pat's able to observe each member of the family and learn more and more about them and then like make adjustments she along the way. She takes blood. She, she eats takes your blood. Your blood yeah. Just so she knows more about your blood. <laughs> this this all feels like they're, especially the kitchen, because I remember thinking the kitchen and then the floor observers where like if you spill something, the floor mm. eats it. Yes. I think that that was like... And then the huge, well, anyways, but like there was so much about the house that was really, really cool. And a lot of it is just like ripoffs of like Star Trek things that existed Mm. forever, which again, Mm -hmm. makes total sense because of the director. But I just remember thinking this house was so damn cool. And now I think it's very scary and not worth it. And did the, Mm. do you remember the Daniel Kaluuya episode of Black Mirror? Oh, Wait, which one? It's an. What's the plot? It's like almost ten years ago, but it, it's basically like people live in these future pods where like all your need there's there's two references of like what the big because in in the smart house mm-hmm. there are rooms that are just huge TV screens and they're supposed yeah. to be able to like take you anywhere. They can make you feel like you're at a basketball game or a five concert or <laughs> the jungle um uh-huh. and the two things that it reminded me of was yeah there's a um black mirror episode where it's supposed to be like uh, really cool that uh daniel kaluuya is able to live in this pod and it really gamifies your life and it's supposed to be fun and mm-hmm. then of course it's a black mirror episode so it turns out to be bad actually but the um <laughs> that's very reductive but like that is the whole show yeah and uh they sleep in rooms like that the other one that it reminds me of is a ray bradbury story like I have to imagine that LeVar Burton has read this story. I wonder if the writers had read this story. I remembered it from when I was a kid, but Mm -hmm. it's a short story called The Velt. I meant to read it before we did this, but I didn't have time. Mm -hmm. But it's about a family that moves into the happy life home filled with machines. I'm reading from scholarly journal Wikipedia. Of course. Um, The Hadley family lives in an automated house called the Happy Life Home, filled with machines that aid them in completing everyday tasks. Blah, 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 blah. The two children, Peter and Wendy, enjoy time in the nursery, a virtual reality room able to realistically reproduce any place they imagine and and grow increasingly attached to it. Which is very, like, I feel like they go out of the way to show you this room, and Sarah's like, you can feel Mm -hmm. like you're anywhere. Like the the Savannah or Cape Cod. I think those are her only two ideas. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but the way that story ends, uh, because the kids are getting more attached to spending time in the nursery, the parents start to be like, mm, we don't know, like we, we kind of like for our kids to go outside and interact with people. Mm-hmm. The kids grow very hostile when this is suggested. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, fast forwarding to the end. Spoiler alert for this story that came out in 1950. When the parents come to fetch them, the children lock their parents into the nursery with, so what they, it's so VR in the story Mm -hmm. that they basically set up the nursery to emulate a savanna full of lions, lock their parents in the room, and the parents die. I think I read this story too, because this sounds very familiar. I wish that Smart House ended, like, I feel like if they had had, if this was not on the Disney Channel, this movie could have ended so differently. But I felt I, mm. I I'd be so curious. I looked to see if there was any reference to it in like the marketing around this movie, which of course there wasn't because it was a Disney Channel movie. Mm-hmm. But I have to imagine that people like in the creative team of this movie knew about this story and like it feels like that room is a direct reference to like the scary VR room is a direct reference to it. Especially because there is that moment where they project a, a 
savannah. The savannah, right. Like yeah. elephants and apex predators and stuff. Right. And then and, and Angie gets scared and then Sarah's like, okay, I'll turn it off. Yeah. You're just, and that's sort of it because it's a mm-hmm. Disney movie. But it, I was like, whoa, are they Bradburying right now? I oh my so. God. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, it made me want to read more Ray Bradbury. I read that in, I think, like sixth grade and it scared the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. But in a good way. Yeah. Anyways, um, <laughs> I just wanted to shout out the Velt and then also like mm-hmm. the Happy Life Home Pat. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. But they're like, but what if this was only sort of bad? What if we trapped Pat there? I if so bizarre. Anyways, yeah. sorry. I just wanted to, uh, I guess that that's sort of context corner a little bit. Sure, sure, sure. sure. No, it's all, it's all very helpful. And Pat, in addition to those things, can also like make a bunch of food and serve it to the family like you said, absorb things into the floor. If you spill, let's say you request a strawberry smoothie and then the strawberry smoothie comes out and for some reason it's blue mm-hmm. and not like pink, <laughs> like you might expect. And it's then like you a spill, period you, commercial. <laughs> <laughs> and then you spill your blue strawberry smoothie onto the floor. Well, the floor <laughs> absorbers, uh, incredible creative naming device, will absorb the spill they only had 20 minutes to write this movie i'm sure (laughs) i think yeah i i I thought that that was so funny and it reminds me of the most futuristic appliance i own which i know i've talked about on the show because i'm so cocky about it Mm -hmm. is my automated spaceship litter box for flea oh yes and it's kind of floor observer adjacent in that the poo-poo does disappear. But then it made me think, I was like, but all that does go somewhere. And it's going to be a stinky day when you have to empty out the floor absorbers. Sure. That's going to be a bad day. Anyways, yes. did you know that LeVar Burton talked to NASA to research how to like <laughs> make this house cool? It all feels... Or sorry, not not uh, LeVar Burton, the guy who wrote the movie, one of the two male writers of the movie, mm-hmm. Stu Krieger, because Stu Krieger also, he's kind of a space head. Guess what other decom he wrote? Um, I couldn't say. Xenon girl of the 21st century. That's right. Okay. This guy loves vaguely late 90s space technology. And I guess that he had like a plug at NASA that would help him like write in ideas uh-huh interesting yeah so here's what happened with me watching this movie i forgot that decoms of this era have budgets of like 11 dollars and oh yeah look like shit so i had in my head because i knew the premise of this movie and i knew it would be like futuristic high-tech house stuff and so i figured that the kind of production design of the movie would reflect the, you know, high tech capabilities of this house. That is incorrect. Yeah, no, (laughs) no, of course not. It's a, I'm sure that this was like a general house set on a studio lot that they like added some dinkle hoppers to, to make it seem like a little fancier, but yeah, it's just like a sitcom set basically. Yeah. With, the sort of clunkily edited in like video screen rooms but Mm -hmm. I will say like as a kid that loved this movie it did feel like the moments they chose to show what the house could do it felt like 
it was enough for me. The kitchen, like the the snacks when when the girls are at the mm-hmm. party and they get infinity snacks. Pat's control room, uh-huh. like the claw outside. You're like, oh yeah. When you think about it, it's a lot of camera trickery and just being told that this can happen. Right. Uh, <laughs> but I was I was duped. I thought it was awesome. I mean, when you're eight years old, it will seem impressive. It's true. When you're 37. Not so much. Kayla, why are you dunking on this amazing movie? Why don't you make Smart House and call me back? Uh, why am I? They went to NASA. Uh, they went to NASA. Why am I dunk, dunk, the house is dunk, or the jump, no, jump, slam jump. dunking the funk. <laughs> Sorry, I got my lyrics confused. Slam dunk the funk and then jump, jump, the house is jumping. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Really complicated lore. <laughs> okay. So the family settles into the new house and they love it. Everything's great. Nick starts working from home and he's finding that he can be way more productive at work. His job is the he ships baseball bats. I think is that because there's one scene where Pat is yelling. I mean, this is later in the movie, but Pat's like, get back to work, mm-hmm. buster. Mm-hmm. But he is like on this call where he's like, all right, make sure all the bats and gloves get there by the end of the week. I was like, mm. what is this man's job? I, I think Unclear. that he is a sports equipment shipping guy. guy. <laughs> I don't know. Vague, yeah. very vague, but sure. And then when, you, when uh, Ben calls him at the beginning, he's in front of a bunch of baseball looking things i think he's like Um, king of the bats sure and well then he brings ben home a basketball to remind us once again that ben likes basketball right oh yeah so he's so i mean he's got range it's not just batting gloves yeah it's also other things okay so (laughs) um so nick like the house is helping him be more productive at his job at school this popular girl named Gwen, who Ben has a crush on, is like, hey, Ben, you should invite me over to your cool house. Mm-hmm. And so everyone's like, wow, this house is really doing wonders the house for is us. Jumping. Um, <laughs> it is. Jump, jump. But, oh no, Pat malfunctions while trying to make smoothies. Smoothies are a she pelts big... them with oranges. <laughs> Yes, smoothies are a big motif in this movie, and sometimes they are just too well, much. Things aren't going so smoothie anymore. <laughs> that makes you think. Makes you think it. The irony of mm-hmm. Pat malfunctioning and not running smoothly because she's trying to make smoothies is literary genius. Yeah, Ray Bradbury could never. <laughs> he could not. Um, okay, so Pat malfunctions, and we're like, mm, foreshadowing much? So Nick has Sarah come over to see what went wrong. And Sarah stays for dinner, which makes Ben furious because, again, he thinks that Sarah is trying to replace his mom, and he's really mean and condescending to her, and he storms off. We'll return to this conversation. Yeah. I do think it is kind of amazing that sarah has a pet rat named butler she's like rat like rat butler get it and i don't get it it's what is that a reference a reference to, to rhett butler who was like what? a oh gone with the wind yeah 
what a bizarre reference to make in a decom. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at least Ryan Merriman's like, what? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> right. That is weirdo behavior to name your rat after a racist movie character. Um, mm-hmm. But I liked that she had a rat. I mean, she's not like the other women in STEM. No, she's dated a bunch of serial killers (laughs) and she has a pet rat. (laughs) They didn't need to write that down, but they Mm -hmm. did. And I think it's interesting. Well, the rat is another thing that is planted and will pay off. Oh, yes. So that's why we need the rat. Yeah. Anyway, that's just that Stu Krieger magic. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So Nick goes to talk to Ben and he's like, son, you're taking on too much. You don't have to work so hard to take care of us. And Ben is like, well, yeah, I don't have to work so hard anymore because now we have Pat. She's going to be mummy now. Mm. And Nick is like, well, don't forget, she's just a machine. And then Ben goes into the control room of the house and has Pat watch a bunch of 1950s sitcoms to show Pat how to be more maternal. I'm just like, Ben? Ben? Now Ben. Why not choose more current videos? Or or anything else. Yeah, we will return to this because... Yes. I also, I just like... I don't know. <laughs> You're like, I don't want to bully this 11 year old character too much, but so I'm just like, this kid should be in therapy. Like mm-hmm. Kevin Kleiner needs to get this kid into therapy. Like he's, I feel bad. Cause it's like, he does all this shitty little stinker stuff. That's super misguided and sucks. Mm-hmm. But it's also like, it's obvious that like he and his dad, like he doesn't really have anyone to talk to about his mom. Mm-hmm. Um, he has like not been able to like properly grieve about it. And yeah. like, I understand from a kid's perspective of like, he feels like his mom is trying to be replaced and he feels like he can't talk about her ever, which like has to be really hard on a kid. Mm-hmm. And you would like probably lash out and do a bunch of weird stuff and, and all of that. I just, but it's like the movie, the way the movie handles it, it's very, you know, glazed over fantasy stuff. But it's like yeah. this poor kid, like he hasn't been able to grieve his mom and literally no one will talk to him about it. And it's like mm-hmm. not that it's that his dad shouldn't be allowed to move on. Like, of course, but it's like it doesn't seem like there's ever been like a structured conversation about it. Right. And it seems like these like reactions from Ben could at least be like tempered even if it doesn't change how he feels it's like I feel like you do owe you know your kid a conversation of like hey I'm going to start seeing people and like this is like how do you feel about that and let's talk about it and blah 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 mm-hmm. but Kevin Kleiner's like shut up I'm gonna fuck like they're you know but then in other and then eventually he feels bad about it but mm-hmm. I was just like this dad is a mess so in that way it's hyper realistic <laughs> Yeah, there's one conversation toward the beginning where Ben says something like, our family is perfect the way it is. And then his dad is like, well, I think there's a little room for improvement. And it's and like, like, that's such a that's cruel a thing to say <laughs> to children, to your grieving child. <laughs> I yeah I yeah I I feel I feel for Ben I I have I'm lucky to have not lost a parent before but like Mm. it just seems like he has no support whatsoever 
Um, and right. his dad is like, um, I don't know, either like emotionally repressed or like doesn't have the skill set to like talk to his son about it. And then mm-hmm. is bringing someone new into his kids' lives, which of course, like every parent is going to be different about the timeline for that. Um, mm-hmm. But I just, I don't know, like Ben, like it doesn't excuse Ben being a little shithead uh, <laughs> at so many points in this movie. But I also right. just feel like he just has very little support because his sister like probably would want to support him if she could but like she doesn't remember her mom well enough to do it right and then his dad won't talk to him about it and i'm just like buddy we gotta get you into counseling mm-hmm. anyways he doesn't that doesn't happen he instead shows pat a bunch of i think like pat <laughs> literally gets radicalized by the youtube algorithm <laughs> um yeah because ben is like here's some here's some shows and the titles of these shows are mother knows best my three moms which is like okay what's that show about make room for mama and noah's matriarch hilarious (laughs) and so pat absorbs these so that she can learn to be more motherly which works because the next day pat is like brush your teeth darling take your vitamins honey bunny Mm. here's a cupcake sweetie pie and then she's also like dad you worry about business i'll worry about taking care of the kids i thought it's like it's kind of interesting commentary on like media of that time but also it kind of goes nowhere um right i just wanted to quickly shout out the fact that for some baffling reason we get to see dad and sarah's whole date while ben is throwing his party before Uh pat is put on the straight and narrow path of being a real disciplinarian kind of parent house um (laughs) but i just think it's every time in a kid's movie i'm like i in my long career of being a child watching movies on the disney channel i never once at any given point was like what's happening on their dad's date and right but they always show it to you and in this one for some reason they show you this like ah uh, they kiss They're and you're kissing. like ew and she because he has a little hershey, hershey kiss, kiss in his bag and then he's like kiss and i'm like i hate this guy it's so corny Ugh, she's like objectively too good for him I'm like she's literally a super genius and this guy is a flop parent mm-hmm. who's like who sells baseball, baseball bats, bats. <laughs> leave her alone yeah um okay so ben is like wow it's wor- like my plan is working and then off screen i could like not track this sequence of events really or like why this was us anyway off screen ben stands up to his bully at the advice of his dad but Ben yeah, gets this all beaten up very quickly, and then like yeah, they the bully. I guess it's like good that they don't show it, right? But like, but why does that happen? Yeah, the, yeah. The, like, what's his name? Ryan. Ryan the bully. Ryan the bully kicks the shit out of him, <sighs> which again seems like okay, Kevin Kleiner. This is a good point to like talk to the school, like mm-hmm. do something. But he's a flop, so he does not do anything. Right. I do not know why this subplot with the bully is in the movie. It doesn't really connect to anything else. All it really does for me is like reinforce what a 
shitty parent Nick is where it's like the first time he bothers to give his son any advice Mm -hmm. he gets the shit kicked out of him right and you're just like well I don't know maybe I think Pat is kind of a better parent sorry wow I mean let's let's find out so (laughs) Ben so after he's been beaten up Ben is feeling down and he's also still really missing his mom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Sarah is around more and more. And he feels very threatened that she's going to come in and, like, quote unquote, replace his mom. So then he watches a video, which reminded me of remember on the John Wick episode, we were talking about deadwife.mp4. Oh my God. He watches deadmom.mov. Dead he and- does. He really does. And she, and, it's just like so I mean it's like it makes sense in a movie of this era and then most I mean it's just as vague in deadwife.mp4 she's like John come home John you're like what are you talking about like Mm -hmm. why are you on the beach what's happening Um, (laughs) and then this one at least here it's a little more grounded but she's like running around the kitchen being like mom is gonna buy you a mocking <laughs> like mm, classic mom behavior mm-hmm. yeah and then she's like I, yeah it uh it's it's very i i thought it was like sweet it was like if they're going the dead mom route i feel like disney movies usually just elect to uh not reference grief at all mm-hmm. this one does at least like you would do like even when what Ben's doing sucks in the context of a kid who hasn't been able to properly grieve his parent at least it does make sense but it's like that Mm -hmm. seems really sad even though the video is kind of funny right it's it's sad and he's crying and Ryan Merriman he is really good in that scene (laughs) someone Um, saw that and they're like "Mm, but what if he was a basketball playing leprechaun wow (laughs) he's got the range (laughs) he's got (laughs) Um, okay, so he's watching this video, and Pat is observing, of course. She's always watching. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Nick calls Sarah and asks her out to dinner on Saturday night, which she accepts. Mm-hmm. And Pat overhears Nick talking to Sarah about how he wishes that Ben was able to have more fun. So Pat gets the idea to invite Ben's friends over for a party the following night. And so a bunch of kids from school show up. This is where we get them doing jump, a choreographed jump, dance. Jumping. <laughs> um, another scene that passes the Bechdel test, Angie's working the door for some reason. Mm-hmm. And there's two girls that show up, give their full names. And Angie says, get the fuck out of here. And they're like, oh, my God. <laughs> this party is so exclusive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that pass. That was a that was a good one. It was really fun. So the kids are showing up to the party, including Ben's crush, Gwen. Ben and Gwen. Ben and Gwen. Okay, hello. It's a little bit too twinny for me, but sure. I'm too glad much they rhyming. Found each other. Too it's much. Like how Taylor Lautner married someone named Taylor, and you're like, I'm sure you're very in love, mm. but this should not be legal. I will not even consider dating anyone that has the first name of anyone i'm related to i feel like it would be really difficult for me to definitely someone with my own name but even like Mm. james i sort of like Mm -mm. i couldn't do it it's too confusing my grandparents names were patrick and patricia oh and they thought it was hysterical and pat were they smart houses 
No, they weren't very smart houses, but they were good people. Okay, that's and fine. That, <laughs> anyways, sorry, I just called my grandparents not smart. Let's move on. <laughs> okay, so we've got Ben and Gwen. And then also the bully, Ryan, shows up to the party because Pat invited him so that she could Ooh, publicly Pat humiliate. Wants to, she wants to kick his ass. She. I feel like if this was a Ray Bradbury story, she would have killed him. Yeah, absolutely. Like decapitated him. Like, Megan did that to someone who bullied her friend Katie. It's, God. yeah, absolutely. So, Pat humiliates the bully and he goes running away. Meanwhile, like you said, we cut to the date that Nick and Sarah are on. We see them kissing. Ugh. And then... <laughs> I was like, maybe it's just the fact that I watched this movie when I was really little. That, but mm. when they kiss, I'm still, like, yucky. It also just, it's also feels just kind of a yucky kiss for the plot yeah yeah uh, listeners please sound off other movies that do this like a kids movie that includes a weird amount of insight on the parents love life that the core audience for these movies couldn't possibly give a shit about <laughs> it's also mary kate and ashley where you just see the dad on that dating montage you're like yeah who cares which one was who that cares? was that billboard, billboard dad, dad. <laughs> it was billboard dad we're gonna have to return to that wellspring at some point but sure. we've got time mary kate and ashley august or something <laughs> okay so nick heads home from the date while the party is still happening so ben and angie have to like kick everyone out and clean up the house via pat's floor absorbers but oh no they missed something and nick comes home and he sees it so they get in trouble for throwing the party but pat is like no 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 it was my fault i invited everyone to the party which is true and so nick is like pat you gotta get yourself under control yeah he said pull it together pat <laughs> you can't just throw awesome parties with my cool <laughs> son you can't have the house be jumping <laughs> the cows can't just be jumping like that <laughs> so pat is like absolutely of course i will simmer down so then pat starts like policing the family what clothes they wear what they do she's like you gotta finish your homework and your baseball selling job before you do anything fun and then they're like, well, this sucks. So they have Sarah come over to see if she can fix this new mode that Pat is in. Mm -hmm. And Sarah decides to shut the whole system down and give Pat a rest. But Pat turns herself back on. Ex machina. Dun, dun, Ex dun. machina. Ex machina. <laughs> Ugh. Meanwhile, Ben is throwing another fit about how his dad is falling in love with Sarah and how... Mm -hmm. He thinks Sarah's going to replace his mom. And Nick sits him down and he's like, that's not what's happening. And they have like a really tender, nice conversation, I thought. Yeah. About I thought so too. I liked that scene. And I just, again, feeling for this fictional kid. Uh, <laughs> I was like, wow, Nick, it would have been really cool if you had this conversation with Ben four, four years, years ago. ago. <laughs> Why is it taking the house that eats blood to force you to have this conversation but yeah i thought that like, that was nice and there in that scene nick is like well i lost my wife and um you're like damn that's true <laughs> but uh i yeah i thought that that scene was really sweet and it's also i think pretty rare in the space of a movie that stars a 
boy mm-hmm. to have a even when it's like very very misguided to be like as emotionally expressive as ben is sure yeah and then also that like a father-son conversation about their feelings i feel like in 1999 that's like that's pretty solid uh mm-hmm. it doesn't make nick a better parent he's still a piece of shit parent and i think he's still really playing fast and loose with uh bringing someone new into the house before he's talked to his kids about it in a way that's mm-hmm. also like fucked up and like kind of disrespectful to sarah too because he keeps just being like my children and i was like dude yeah you're hurting everyone's feelings like especially because this is the person who designed a house that's about to try to kill them (laughs) oh oh but but you know sarah is gonna go full girl boss mode Mm -hmm. she has a laser i (laughs) forgot that she had a laser i was like why the hell does she have this laser like a pocket laser like it fits in her (laughs) pocket (laughs) It was pretty great. Anyways, Mm -hmm. we'll get there in a second because Pat's about to go rogue. Yeah. So what happens is Pat, who has turned herself back on, makes this like hologram projection of herself. And now she's Katie Katie Seagal in the flesh. And it's amazing. She goes to Ben's room to be like, let's team up to get rid of Sarah. I know you hate her too. And I'm the only mommy your family needs. I am a mother like no other. <laughs> and you're just like, Whoa. I was so scared of her. I was so scared of her, but mm-hmm. I love her hair color. Anyways, she's got a pretty good fit on. Um, yeah. She then throws Sarah out of the house and barricades all the doors and windows, trapping Nick, Ben and Angie inside because Pat wants to keep them in smart house forever. And then the like hologram starts duplicating itself and Pat is getting scarier and scarier. Oh my God. Now there's 10 Katie Seagal's in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I know that Nick can't be the hero of this, but he's making the most weak excuses as to why they should be allowed to leave. He's like, no, kids have to go to school. I'm like, Nick, you should be stabbing the house. Like, why are you... You are the least proactive parent in the history of parents. Yeah, I know. And then, but then they figure out a way to get Sarah back inside via her pet rat and the newspaper retrieval door, which were things that were set up at the beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. And Ben is like, Pat, you're out of control. Stop trying to be something you're not. You can't be our mom because you're not even real. And Pat is like, damn, you're right. She's Bye. I'll miss you. And then, yeah, oh my God. This is like very dry. I think it is like coded essentially that like Pat, I mean, she doesn't take her own computer life because Mm -hmm. she's still there at the end of the movie they like go out of the way to show you that like pat's alive but i feel like her being alive is almost worse Um, did they learn nothing (laughs) right right like they learned nothing and also she's probably pretty mad in there Mm -hmm. um but the way that they illustrate like her going to like it feels like computer heaven is like they just start (laughs) playing like rainstorm.mp4 and it's it's i because katie seagal is a good actor you're sort of like oh my god Mm -hmm. it's just like two lines of dialogue and she's like you're right i have to die and you're like well no one said that um (laughs) right but then we need the movie to end happy because it's a decom so i think the ending of this movie is so bizarre right so basically pat shuts herself down 
And then Sarah is able to like reboot and maybe reprogram Pat. She's a genius. She can do anything. So that Pat isn't so invasive and scary. Mm -hmm. And then Ben apologizes and he's like, I learned my lesson not to mess with Pat, which true, he should not have done. But it's like, Sarah, you should be the one apologizing for it creating is, this. Sarah, like, like it, it's so, I mean, I, I I love being on women's side, but I'm like, mm, I mean, let no. women be Sarah bad. is, but the movie has doesn't seem to want to explore that. Like, she's just so, mm-hmm. I think it is like vaguely misogynist that she isn't held accountable because I feel like the movie, even though... The movie, like, it is, her job is relevant to the plot, which is yeah. very rare mm-hmm. um, in a love interest character. Sometimes we know, like, what they do, but I feel like it very rarely is actually relevant to what happens in the movie. That's right. not true here. Like, her job is super, like, the movie doesn't happen unless she's doing her job. True. But I feel like the way that, like, no one is upset with her that she's built this killer house. Mm-hmm. And every time they call her over to fix the killer house, she's like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Can I hang out? And like, this is so unprofessional. And you'd like, you need to make the house stop eating them. Uh, She is like, so I feel like the plot ultimately treats her more like a girlfriend because it's Mm -hmm. like they don't really take, like the plot doesn't take into account the fact that she is like hugely at fault here. Um, Not at all. And yeah, yeah. It, to me, the the romance between her and the dad is very like, well, it's a movie. So of course, but it still feels very wedged in and she is yeah. behaving very unprofessionally. And like, you can't be dating the person who is living in the house that you're using. Like this family is like, I mean, speaking of rat butler, like... These are your, like, test rats that you're testing right. this scary house on. And that's... Well, that's also, I'm just sort of, like, outside of unprofessionalism, the gall of <laughs> Sarah. Because I, like, if I were, if I had a crush on someone who was essentially my lab rat and the experiment was not going well, mm-hmm. I would not be, like, let's go on a date. I, I would be, like... This person is probably pretty upset with me, but right. thankfully, um, Nick is not, uh, he's not to quote another Disney channel original series. He's not a smart guy. Oh, uh, that's a Disney channel series about you're never going to believe a 12 year old who's real smart. Okay. Uh, anyways, uh, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that after the break because yes. that's what, when we that's talk about what's. Uh, happening right now. <laughs> Pupai. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. 
you know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. Bello. Bello. All right. Let's, let's, because we were just starting to have that conversation anyways, let's just jump into the Sarah and then the Sarah-Nick relationship. Mm-hmm. I think that like for your average decom of this time, in the context of this time, Sarah is a bigger and more impactful character than your average decom uh-huh. which is nice because i feel like in all of these i mean in most sitcoms but especially sitcoms and tv movies for kids parents tend to be fairly tangential they're often just like big comedic doofusy kind of characters we mm-hmm. see that in lizzie mcguire movie we see that and even stevens like this movie does make the parental figures, Nick and then later Sarah, like flawed people. I just feel like, yeah, as we were just alluding to, Sarah, she's, you know, women's rights, but also women's wrongs. And Sarah is wrong, uh, makes so many bad decisions in this movie. But yes, I wanted to start at the beginning because the way we're introduced to Sarah is so bizarre the specific there there are specifics with this character but they're all so weird uh we're introduced with her with a character we only meet twice who's kind of like misogyny the guy basically he's like her co-worker her boss like i don't know what their professional relationship is but he is wearing like clear sunglasses he's i think the publicist of this smart house he's like doing pr well he's doing a bad job they're both doing a bad job (laughs) yeah but he's just like sexually harassing her casually and he's just like Mm -hmm. i don't know like of course because she's like we learn what her job is right away and we know that she's in charge of pat but then we also learn she's single and she's kind of a mess and then she read a book called smart women foolish choices and i was like wow (laughs) i'm under attack Uh, Uh uh-huh and she's like, well, oh, have you heard of this book, Smart Women, Foolish Choices? It's my autobiography. Yeah. Um, Which I thought maybe she meant literally. And I was like, because <laughs> at this point, you barely know her. And I'm like, is she an author? Like, what is her job? I don't know. But... I mean, it's like, it just felt very like something that we see pretty often that is like rooted in something that's real. But it's like this movie is ne- is not equipped to make any sort of effective commentary. So it just sort of like... Mm-hmm reinforces tropes about like 
women having careers and having satisfying personal lives. Like <laughs> it's impossible to have it's both. Impossible. We have no idea why, but it happens in society. So let's just put it in the movie. Right. Right. So that's, that's like, I mean, I'm, we won't break down the entire, like it's, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's like the sort of thing where it's like, it frames that, uh, which is first of all, not prescriptive at all. Plenty mm-hmm. of, women and non-binary people have fulfilling relationships and fulfilling careers. But I, I like, I know that I, I don't know, like I've definitely struggled with that, but it's, but it's always made out in, in movies like this and with characters like this to be a personal fault versus it's her fault. She just loves her job too much. Right. Which is something that you never see with male characters. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this a million times, but it's like, it's a pretty, because I think because it's a kid's movie, it's really like, flagrant the way that it's presented mm-hmm. and literally we have glasses on her and then as the movie as she gets more comfortable and more flirty the glasses come off mm. but basically this whole first scene is just like her publicist question mark sexually <laughs> harassing her uh-huh. nagging her when she's like i don't want to date right now and he's like this is self-inflicted but everyone has a crush on you yeah it's oh it's very um it's very nasty, and but then the way she's replying, I think, is very consistent with boomer rhetoric of like, well, that's just the way things are. That's how I'm treated at work, mm-hmm. um, and so she's she's kind of taking it all in stride, and she's like, no, work is much safer for me, mm-hmm. and we learn. So that exchange is pretty. It's like so bad, it's kind of campy, but it's just like atrocious because you know too grown men wrote it and you're like well I guess that this is how you view women with jobs question mark mm-hmm. and like the only thing that could make her have a satisfying personal life is the first guy we meet in the movie who isn't this creep in glasses like right there's no new ground being tread here but I was kind of just surprised at how boldly it was um it's yeah just... boldly going interesting star trek coded boldly wow. going uh to a misogynist place we've seen a million times <laughs> yeah um, exactly. like the tropiest choices possible basically mm-hmm. when characterizing this type of like girl bossy character yeah and then the other thing the movie does is well so it sets up this you know it sets her up as being oh she's had nothing but like kooky horrible boyfriends and what is going on with these boyfriend descriptions she's like a, I don't like a chicken thief or something I was like what the fuck are you talking there's about there's a rubber chicken manufacturer but then there was someone who I think she was describing a serial killer or something along it those sounded lines. serial it sounded like she dated a and I'm like wow <laughs> do you have do the writers of this movie have so little faith in Nick is a character that they have to make him seem like a good alternative to a serial killer. <laughs> right. So, yeah, she's just characterized as being like unlucky in love because she has poor judgment, which like relatable sometimes for me at least. But yeah, I mean, it's like there's but it's like also I think that that's the other thing is like it's always made out that, you know, mostly women characters are bad judges of character in this way like Mm -hmm. it's very and then but when that dynamic is presented with like men talking about past ex-girlfriends it's always like well because she was hysterical or she Mm -hmm. was crazy it's never like I feel like the way it's positioned here is like these men were evil and scary (laughs) 
and that's my fault for dating uh-huh. them. Right. But if it's reverse, they'd be like, ah, this like this broad, I get like she's out of her mind, mm-hmm. and it's there's no like personal accountability that which actually makes more sense. Uh, but yeah, I feel like it's it's for some reason Sarah's fault that uh, men are scary, and mm-hmm. that's the other thing. It's just like yeah, men are statistically more scary. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to tell you. The history books do corroborate this. (laughs) Yes. So Sarah's characterization is pulled directly from the tropiest tropes possible. Yeah. And thrown into this like wedged in romantic storyline that is inappropriate for her to be in. Sure. And then she becomes mummy, sort of. Mrs. Mummy. Right. And that's the other thing is like the movie has, I think the movie makes the assumption that of course she wants to be a step parent. Like there's Mm -hmm. no like, because all we know is like what hasn't happened for her, which is a satisfying relationship. It seems like that is something that she wants, Mm -hmm. which fine, but we don't know anything else about what she like wants out of her life outside of that. And then it's just sort of like assumed the like logic of the movie assumes that of course this woman in her thirties wants to be Ryan Merriman's stepmom where you're like, I don't know. Like, I just feel like she's Mm -hmm. her agency is like pretty undercut there, which sucks. Cause like contrasted with like, you have such an interesting setup for a character there where it's like this super genius who has created this terrifying house (laughs) in this like random suburbia for some reason. Like Mm -hmm. I, I'm far more interested in that side of her and like who allowed her to do this? Who is bankrolling this? What has she done in the past? Mm. Like, but it's just all undercut for like girlfriend and mommy storylines where you're like, this is a pretty diabolical character. Or maybe it's like you could give her like a a Mr. Andrews from Titanic kind of line where it's like Mm. she created this with good intentions and now it's gotten out of control and she must suffer for her hubris, but none of that happens. Um, Mm. but and and because this movie is genuinely very similar to a recent movie megan in which allison williams character is put through a lot of the exact same story beats of like she is not super lucky in love but also like we learned about this character she's not really interested in a relationship Mm -hmm. and that's fine she kind of just wants to fuck Great. I get why that's not going to be in a decom, but anyways, you could take a second to specify what does this character want out of her sure. life and have enough interest in her. Yeah. But she's also like put in a position to suddenly have to take on a maternal role that she's not ready for. Mm-hmm. And then she also has the super genius creation that she ends up having to destroy in the same way that Sarah sort of kind of almost destroys mm-hmm. Pat and you get a far more satisfying story arc but I think a lot of that is because it's like we actually see the Allison Williams character struggle with the question of parenting and like is that something she wants to do is that something she's comfortable with Mm -hmm. and not have it just be assumed that that's of course what she wants and that movie isn't weighed down with an unnecessary uh, romantic plot with Mr. Random Kevin Kleiner right um yes so anyways I guess that that does at least show how this weirdly stuck character I also am thinking of like Nicole Kidman and Paddington like I don't know like 
woman super genius with an evil invent like i love it it's like victor frankenstein shit Mm -hmm. it's great Uh, but it's like the worst thing you can do to a character that like fun and complicated is do the most boring gendered uh things to them right but that's what happened to sarah unfortunately is indeed and listeners if you're interested for more discussion on megan you can scoot over to our patreon aka matreon it's so true but pat is so pat is like pat walked so megan could run in those woods (laughs) yeah and get that kid Mm -hmm. um let's see if there's anything else with sarah oh oh this bummed me out so we'll get to talking about ben but ben is Basically, like, projecting his anger at his father onto Sarah. Yes. To make Sarah feel uncomfortable and not want to be around anymore. Mm-hmm. Which is shitty behavior. Very. But he's, I also, like, I feel like I keep coming to his defense because he's, like, a kid and no one has ever talked to him about uh, his parent dying. Mm-hmm. Anyways, but there's that scene where Sarah's like, ooh, it's the Ray Bradbury murder room. Let's make it look like Cape Cod. I love Cape Cod. Uh-huh. And you're just like, wow, she's so interesting. Um, <laughs> but Ben is like coming for her in this scene. Yeah, and truly. he says, wait, I have this written down where Nick is being very complimentary of Sarah, which is nice that he like does, you know, value her skills. He values what she can Mm -hmm. do. And he's like, she's a genius. She's really great. And then Ben's like, you know, I hear geniuses are impossible to live with and make everyone around them feel inferior. And you're like, whoa, holy shit. And he's like, good for you and your big giant brain. (laughs) I was like, Jesus. (laughs) But she retorts by undercutting her own intelligence. Like she doesn't, she's like, you don't have to worry. I'm not that smart. I was like, mm, I don't know. You made the house that eats people. That like, takes... it's kind of never been done before. <laughs> it takes some brains. But and I, I do, I do feel bad for her in that scene, and I do think that it is Nick's fault more so than Ben's. Um, yeah, he does put a lot of people in uncomfortable situations without adequately like having the conversations that need to happen to make sure everyone's on similar pages make sure people are feeling comfortable with what's happening he just ignores the need for all of that open communication right it's like yeah let's all eat peach cobbler together and then yeah and then later he like anytime he does something he immediately def like and something goes wrong he immediately deflects the blame off of himself and is just like so that was weird <laughs> you're like that was your fault which has happened because like once Ben and Angie leave the room after that really tense discussion, which wasn't, was certainly like very cruel to Sarah. Mm-hmm. Th- he does the thing. He's just like, my children. <laughs> and I'm like, that was your fault that that happened. You fucking loser. Yeah. Oh, I just cannot stand this man's parenting. He is such a mess. Yes. So anyways, there is that. The movie kind of reinforces this idea that like children need two parents you need a mommy and a daddy and which is completely consistent with this era of kids media like it's but it's like pushing back on absolutely nothing right but then i think the movie is cutting nick a lot of slack and like because it shows these scenes where it's like 
oh my gosh, isn't he such a great parent? He's like having these no. conversations with his kids. And it's like, well, yeah, but he's not doing nearly enough. He's doing it all half a decade late. And like, <laughs> I felt like he was similarly deflective when he suddenly realized that Ben has been taking on a lot of parenting Angie for years where he's like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm realizing that blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, earlier in the movie, I saw you demand Ben do a list of chores to help his little sister, Mm. which is like, okay, if that is the division of responsibilities at this house, like, okay, Mm. maybe. But, but if that's the case, but you can't just like pretend you didn't know that was happening. You were actively making him do that stuff. You can't just be like, oh no, is this happening? You're like, (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know. And it, it sucks because it's like, I feel like, again, the story opportunities are there, but you're totally right. Like, Nick is just cut so much slack where I, I don't mind that it's like the movie draws your attention to, like, how challenging it can be to be a single parent to two young kids. Like, sure, mm-hmm. I have no issue with that. But, yeah, the fact that but they just, like, cut him. But I, the fact that they're like, and the solution to that is a new mommy like there's no alternative presented there's no even though he lists off a number of alternatives which included apparently they can afford child care if they needed child mm-hmm. care but i feel like it's all of those options are presented as inferior to new mommy sarah mm-hmm. which is just yeah boring right and shitty <laughs> There's also a moment in the score of this movie Oh, where uh, when Nick first meets Sarah, first of all, Nick too horny overall. He's a horny dad. And I hate that um, his children are constantly having really strong opinions on how horny he is. I'm just like, we just like should not know this about dad. Mm. We just shouldn't. Call me old fashioned, but I don't (laughs) want my seven year old being like, you should definitely fuck that lady down. And you're like, what? <laughs> what? No, don't do that. Yeah. That was that was a pretty good Angie. She's she's little stinker coated big time. She is. Um, but anyways, do you have anything else to say about Sarah? I just I just feel like her story possibilities, like all the interesting ones. Like I wouldn't have even minded if she turned villain at the end. Like like being really defensive of her invention. It's like no, this is the future this is how it should be something like that totally i mean it's like which would make more sense because i mean imagine how long it would have taken her to make pat and then just be like no i met a guy who doesn't kill people and so i'm gonna kill like i don't know i just think there were so many interesting ways for her story to go and they chose the most boring route i like at least that the story had enough respect for her to not like sideline her for the peak of the action because i sort of forgot like when that when pat like pushes her out of the house which uh, a part of me i was like "Mm, is this just turning the only two women characters against each other but i'm like no that also feels consistent with like the creator uh creature right storyline so i'm like i'll give that a pass and also you don't see that dynamic between two women like a woman creator and a woman you know also happens in megan Anyways. Well, and then also, like, in I, Frankenstein, for example. Thank you. Y- you have the the monster turning against its creator, which is what happens Scene with one. Pat. It's, it's true. <laughs> she's like, let's kill Sarah. I love that Pat's sort of like, let's kill Sarah. And because when, when she says that, I'm sort of like, 
Mm. Let's kill Sarah. (laughs) Um, In the same way when uh, Alicia Vikander is like, let's kill Oscar Isaac. I'm like, Mm -hmm. almost any other movie, I'd say no. But this one, I think we have to kill Oscar Isaac. Um, uh, Oh, but I I thought I sort of was like, oh, no, do they like throw her out of the height of the action? But she's like very active and she comes back and she has a laser and like she is. (laughs) Right. I I like the, the sort of like the two people who ultimately take Pat down are Sarah and Ben, mm-hmm. which makes sense to me. I don't know. I didn't have a problem with it. So I was paying close attention to that. So somehow Ben is able to send an email to Sarah. You would think that Pat would be monitoring that. I know. I was like, how'd you get, do you have a burner? Well, I think what happened, what we're supposed to think is he went into the bathroom where it's been established that he has privacy. Like Pat has no jurisdiction oh. in the bathroom. So he's sitting in the tub with okay. his dog, a golden retriever named Mutt. Mutt. I thought that <laughs> Pat was insulting the dog, but then I just found out the dog's name was an insult. It was actually Mutt. So, yeah. <laughs> so he's sending an email to be like, come here, Sarah. And then so she... Well, before that, she has, like, sent a message via her rat to Ben. Iconic. And then it's kind of unclear how this... Pl- oh, I think it is his idea that she comes in through the mail, like the newspaper slot. Ye- yes. Or something. But is she- it his idea? I don't... I don't well, he says something I, like, I, really I have a really wild idea if you're willing to go for it. And then she's like, haha, yeah, but we don't hear what the idea is. So we just kind of have to assume. Yeah. Either way. I'm, I'm, I'll even give the movie credit and say it was a joint plan. Because I always assumed that Ben's part of the plan was like, I will fake appendicitis and then you sneak into the house one way or another. Oh, okay. Yeah. So maybe it is her that like knows that she needs to get in through the mail slot. Yeah. Whatever. But she's in the house. She uses her pocket laser but then she kind of does nothing else. That's true. Because Pat shuts herself down. Sarah doesn't do anything to like. That's disengage. true. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I was more referring to the pocket laser moment, which I really love, um, because it's. I think it would have sort of chafed against like Ben. It like it makes sense that Ben's little monologue is the thing that ends up taking Pat out because he has to realize that computer isn't mommy before mm-hmm. the end of the movie. But it would have been nice for for Sarah to do a little more. But at least you also get I don't know, Pat she's still learning. She's chaotic. <laughs> like yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I Sarah definitely could have done more, but I just felt like you know she doesn't do nothing which unfortunately i was pleasantly surprised at i mean the bar is so low and it's better than like at least nick doesn't have if nick had a real moment during that scene i would have lost it it made sense to me that ben was mr monologue there yeah yeah Um, yeah yeah. that's true but yeah i don't think i have anything left on sarah let's talk about pat i love pat um (laughs) So again, we've we've talked about a number of characters. Like, I mean, Pat feels like a combination of a few tropes that we, or not tropes, just like characters that are often women, but not always that we've talked about in the past. We've already talked about the Megan of it all, mm-hmm. of an AI powered. Uh, I mean, it the, it really is like impressive how much is similar. Where it's like an AI powered invention that was made by a woman to provide companionship 
and support to a grieving child. Mm -hmm. It is pretty stunning. It's a little looser in Smart House, obviously, because Pat's also doing all these other things. Yeah. But I feel like there's, like, definitely hints of Megan. There's hints of Ex Machina, um, Mm -hmm. although that was, like, a more gendered dynamic. Um, But also, it reminds me a lot of her uh, and how in our her episode which is now five years old if you can believe it unbelievable uh, time uh but how we talked about in in that episode how it is um so common to give ai that is service-based and like this house is taking care of you it's protecting you it's associated with all these kind of traditionally maternal qualities Mm -hmm. and they will always assign a feminine voice to that there's all sorts of reasons why it's partially just because i think that they're like because so many of these uh, are designed by people who are like thinking in a mass market patriarchal way of like well people are more comfortable asking women to do things for them Mm -hmm. Uh, especially like household labor exactly or in the case of like gps i remember it was like and people are more comfortable yelling at women too so if they Mm -hmm. get lost they will feel better and and how that is sort of contrasted with more masculine voices are assigned to like less domestic tasks and less Mm -hmm. labor-based things and it's more like if you're asking something that like someone should know um i remember there was like a robot that competed on jeopardy and that was like an Mm -hmm. ai powered machine that had a masculine voice because he was smart Mm -hmm. shit like that like and i think that is very present in pat in a way that the movie seems aware of and I think that it is kind of interesting that Pat's creator is a woman and that still like tracks for me fine because it's not like, you know, it's like you don't have to be a, (laughs) not all women are feminists or like, you know, and and (laughs) I don't know. I I just thought it was, it it is like a really, it just felt like uh, she feels like an encapsulation of a lot of stuff we've talked about in the past. And it seems like the movie is pretty aware of that. I don't think that it delivers on it necessarily, but interesting well pat's interesting because a lot of what we see that operating system do is household labor type stuff like she's prepping meals and she's cleaning the house via the floor absorbers but she's also keeping the man with the job on task of like here's how to be more productive she's doing like wifely duties yeah that Right, but then, like, she's also, like, doing Ben's bully's homework for him. I don't know. It's it's not exclusively household labor stuff, but it is a lot of, like, the roles that women, ha- like, have been traditionally expected to occupy as far as, like, overseeing the general welfare of the family and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And, like, you know, maintaining the household, all of that stuff is... Pat's responsibility which is why Ben wanted the house in the first place he kind of seems to resent that he had to take on a lot of that responsibility and he's like I don't want to do it anymore I need a house to do this mummy stuff which for me which is like so at the core of what his character's issue is is like he wants to I don't know. And and it is, again, like based on this false binary of like what a functioning family looks like that this mm-hmm. movie really subscribes to of like, well, you need two parents, probably a cis man and a cis woman for your life to be considered 
normal and functional mm-hmm. and like ben is does not want another parent but he also doesn't want to have to do all of this stuff at home right. and like it all tracks but i i like that um i don't know i guess i'm of two minds of, about this although i don't know yeah i'm curious because we've just discussed i frankenstein literally sorry adam frankenstein has mm. some pat energy about him um, <laughs> sure with like the whole like tortured creature turning into a monster over time mm-hmm. narrative is i don't know in some ways i feel like pat going nuclear at the end could make it seem like she's hysterical but i also feel like the mm. movie i don't know did you feel like i think i think i feel like it did basically do enough to illustrate that like pat is not reacting in this way because she is a feminine robot (laughs) she's reacting this way because she is receiving too much conflicting information and cannot handle it and is trying to perform the function she was designed to do and literally cannot do it because she is like not passing the turing test she like doesn't understand feelings because she's a computer Mm -hmm. and that's the cautionary tale it's like computers can't you know be your mom because they are like not capable of empathy not that all moms are but if my mom's (laughs) listening she's great uh but (laughs) but um i don't know like i i feel like the movie did do enough and it is satisfying seeing pat create a living room cyclone at the end (laughs) um Uh i don't know what did you think of like how pat's emotions are portrayed in the movie yeah i see what you mean the possible interpretation of like she gets jealous of the real woman like this human woman trying to insert herself into this family because pat wants to be the mummy it doesn't feel quite that which could be read as like you know a, a female character turning on another one for like jealousy reasons but yeah pat only becomes the way she is because because she starts out pretty neutral she's like here's a blue strawberry milkshake or whatever (laughs) no one's calling me out for that mistake (laughs) all right let's see what we can do here (laughs) you know and then eating angie's blood and being like here's how much body percent fat you have and it's like why is this a detail we need to have in the movie but anyway also um that's the bite and you're and everyone's like oh oh okay okay, i guess that's the bite and like (laughs) No, that no. in 1999, that's triple scary. So scary. Yeah. Um, but aside from those just like bad writing choices, like Pat is seems neutral, as neutral as AI can be. Mm-hmm. But then Ben is like, no, you have to be a 1950s housewife. That's what I need from you. So then Pat is just like, okay. And not just like actual 1950s housewife like media's representation of that so it's like even more skewed and like even more tropey so it does feel like there is like some commentary i just i find it confusing (laughs) as a i don't know i mean because in some ways like yeah pat's major glitching to being fed all of this like post-world war ii housewife media is commentary (laughs) on how flawed that media is I just don't understand Mm -hmm. if I'm a kid in 1999, why that would be what I would jump to. It's so weird because it's like Katie Seagal played an iconic like Gen X 
TV mom. Like, why wouldn't you just show them footage of married with children? Like, why? I don't understand why right. he's like seeking a parent that has no resemblance to the parent that he's lost. Like, I don't. I, I guess I just. I well, I think that there's probably an answer to that. Like, but I just wish that I think that the like sort of vague, like wishy-washy commentary on housewives in media of that era was sort of undercut by the point that you're like, I don't understand why this is what Ben is asking for. I don't understand how he's even seen these shows. Like, (laughs) right. He's watching Nick at night. Just kidding. That doesn't exist in the world of Disney. But (laughs) um, (laughs) do not mention Nickelodeon around me. (laughs) Right. You would think that it would, it would almost take the, life-size approach where Lindsay Lohan's Mm. trying to bring her mom back from the dead. Right. And Ben would like show the video, like the home videos, like (gasps) the dead mom dot MOV files to Pat to be like, this is the mom I need you to be. That does not happen in the movie, but that would make more sense. I think. Yeah. I understand why they don't do that. Cause that would be fucking terrifying. (laughs) Um, and reminds me of a different early Black Mirror episode the Domhnall Gleeson one where he dies and then they and like that the computer was bad in that one too just like all of them Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah I mean that would have been too scary for a kids movie but it does like I feel like this even with you could maintain the tone of this movie and have Ben consider that or like or just give some reasoning of like why this is the media I'm showing because otherwise it just feels like this is probably just media that the 50 year old writer of this movie grew up with. And so he's like, yeah, kids of course want a mom (laughs) like Donna Reed. You're like, sir, kids do not know who she is. Right. Although Donna Reed is kind of a legend. She's like one of the first uh, women to uh, produce her own TV show. Hmm. It's kind of the ultimate irony that she played a very, you know, passive character on this show. She was busting her ass to keep on TV. Anyways, yeah, I, I was confused at that. I feel like the movie did a little bit of commentary on it and like showed that it's a flawed mentality and that it's yeah. kind of like a hollow ethos to like live your life by. But it just was like it was a little mucky the way that it, played out. It didn't say enough about it. It was yeah. just like it was a little confusing. And and then after that, I think is when Pat's like spying on them and she's like my kids need to have fun. So then she throws the party. I think that he which... shows her the 1950s video after the party. I'm pretty sure. Oh, wait, let me, let me double check. Uh, no, it, yeah. So the party happens after he shows. Okay. Which also, which also doesn't really make sense. Cause it's like, I don't think that those like stock characters wanted their kids to throw parties right like it's so weird i don't know so that's inconsistent the only thing that it really succeeds in is giving katie seagal an incredible aesthetic and costume to get into when she becomes a person outside of that the 1950s housewife mom i felt like the whatever they were going for there um was a little confusing yeah unless it was trying to demonstrate that that being your operating system would drive someone to want to start a cyclone, which I'm sure many uh, mothers mm. of that age felt like. Sure. Again, not <laughs> clear. I'm maybe giving the movie a little bit too much credit. Yeah. I but I love move- that Pat says, I am a mother like no other, and I will mm. not sit back and allow myself to be preempted. I'm like, oof, <sighs> EGOT. 
powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I think the movie, if it is trying to say something, it doesn't really stick the landing. I'm not quite sure exactly what, if any, commentary it's making, Mm -hmm. which is like a bummer because this subject matter, there's a lot of opportunity to say stuff about gender roles, about technology's role in society and in a family unit. What the expectations of a mother are and why that is. Like, all yeah. of, like there's a lot. Yeah. And it's like, it's weird because I do feel like this movie is not unequipped to tackle those questions. But uh, then you look at who made it and you're like, well, uh, it's three guys. And I'm mm-hmm. guessing maybe that's uh, part of the reason why you really don't get very much Could be that you would think that lavar burton would have i don't know he was mr reading rainbow he should have read a book on he gender should, roles he should have read a damn book <laughs> um yeah i i think that what the the criticism of this movie super succeeds and i think is like anticipating a lot of terrifying issues that come with an automated house yeah and because it's a dis i think it's and i think it's interesting that that was I mean, there's a great article in The Ringer for this movie's 20th anniversary by Ben Lindbergh mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. called What Smart Host Got Right and Didn't About the Future uh, that also clocked the Ray Bradbury reference. Uh, so I was like, wow, uh, two scholars. Two okay, geniuses. Uh, no, I'm not actually that You're smart. N- <laughs> <laughs> no, Jamie, you should be proud of your big, giant brain i have to go and then you go <laughs> my children uh, <laughs> god he's such a flop um but i i like the this article unpacked i guess that like the idea of the smart home became popular around the time ray bradbury wrote that story which was post-war so 1950 so like the housewife thing could have been contextualized better of like this era of American housewife media and like white American housewife media became popular around the same time that people started speculating about smart houses. So Mm -hmm. like there's a connection there. It just is not really made by this movie, but (laughs) I think it does really well, like does anticipate the like cautionary tale of like giving a house your blood, like giving away all of your data to technology that it has not been tested and is not necessarily have your best interests at heart um which is again why i think it is like a real waste to make sarah a mommy girlfriend character because she is at the front of the pack like making those decisions of you know Mm -hmm. like she has no ethical issue with having this proprietary technology have all of the data of your body and it's like okay sarah are you planning on hmm, selling that anywhere like you know Mm -hmm. like there's so many questions that and and maybe I mean it's 1999 that might not have been a question that you would think to ask at that point sure but anyways I mean with some of the specific details of the house and potential issues of um, interacting with AI too much I, I think it's cool that it's like it was such a prominent discussion that they felt like it was reasonable to make a decom about it that's wild I mean I'm kind of impressed. And I do think that because that message is so clear mm-hmm. and decoms and mo- like most media for kids, if there is a message or some kind of takeaway, which there often is in children's media, uh, a lesson to be learned, they're going to really spell it out because right. they want to make it 
clear for the audience. And because there's nothing clearly spelled out about, you know, gender roles and the expectation of women and, and the expectation of motherhood and things like that, I think the movie just kind of threw that stuff in there, mm-hmm. had no idea what to say about it, and was just like, it's, there it is, I, IDK. Yeah. So, but I, I think that again, it's like there's limitations on what you can say that with that uh, in the purview of a 1999 yeah. Disney movie. Sure. Uh, I have a few quotes I wanted to share, and then <laughs> I have to pee so bad. And also, we've recorded longer than the movie. I know. Um, <laughs> but uh, I wanted to share a uh, quote from an interview with Stu Krieger from that same article in the ringer mm-hmm. basically explaining why he goes for a soft optimistic end to this story mm-hmm. um outside of the fact that it's a disney movie and they wouldn't have allowed it uh so he says quote i am basically an optimistic person the idea of wanting to have a reconciliation wanting to have these things ultimately be okay fit the disney method but it also fit what was important to me almost every episode of the twilight zone ends in some kind of horrible technology will kill you away to be able to be the counterpoint and the counterbalance to that is not a bad thing which now that I hear that, like it, that also feels very in line with a lot of Star Trek ideology mm. of how technology is. Uh, I mean, there's like the kitchen <laughs> in Star Trek is exactly like the kitchen in the smart house. And mm. that's presented as like, this is a really cool innovation as long as it's used ethically, mm-hmm. which again, I don't think this movie really has the space for it, but it does feel like Star Trek is all about, uh, you know, hope for a technologically driven optimistic future it's a fucking fantasy but uh kind of kind of nice and then i wanted to share a quote from lavar burton mm-hmm. uh this is also an interview from 2019 he's being asked do you think about this movie a lot it's <laughs> a weird question he says uh you know because i started my directing career at star trek i just automatically embraced science fiction and technology as a part of my background as a director I love science fiction and always have. Smart House for me was a terrific exercise because not only was I telling a story for a completely different audience, but part of the idea was to really make that technology accessible and real. The whole idea of Pat, we're there now, right? We are living in a time when technology has advanced to the point where there are devices that are controlling a lot of aspects of our lives. I've got Nest. I've got the Ring doorbell. We all have so many wireless devices that are connected to the Internet of Things. We're there. The flaw in Smart House is the kid was looking for the technology to fulfill a need that only a human being could. And the result, as you might predict, was disastrous. So I think that that is like, if if that is like the core mission of this movie, mm-hmm. I feel like it's successful. I agree. Yeah. So even if this is a successful commentary on technology in 1999, does it pass the Bechtel test? <laughs> uh, it does. It does. Between... Sarah and Angie, mm-hmm. I think a couple times, and then Sarah and her creation, <laughs> Pat, which I guess we can say is a female character, even though I it's so. an operating system, genderless icon, not a cis man for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-mm. I yeah, and I I we didn't really talk about Angie. I feel like Angie is other than Ben being really mean to her uh I I think that Angie is like treated in a pretty gender neutral way it's just like little sibling character right that's how I felt 
generally. Yeah. And she's better at video games than her older brother. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Good for Angie. Uh, except yeah. of how interested she is in her dad's sex life. That's weird. We these we need these kids in therapy. Mm-hmm. Anyways, it does pass the Bechdel test a lot of times. I think most iconically between Angie turning those girls away at the door. That's fun. <laughs> Uh, and it's so funny that they get full names, so it does get to pass. That's true. But that's not the most important metric in the world, is it? No, because that would be our nipple scale. A scale where we rate the movie based on examining it through an intersectional feminist lens. Zero to five nipples. I guess I'll give this, I don't know, one and a half. It's not really, as far as... As far as like gender, there's a lot present about like gender roles and the expectations of of women and the expectations of mothers and things like that. The movie doesn't really know how to handle that in any kind of like thoughtful way. And it mostly just relies on a lot of tropes. And if they are trying to, if the movie is trying to say something, it's not really sticking the landing as far as gender roles goes. I I agree that it is successfully operating as a kind of cautionary tale on AI interfering too much in our human lives, mm. but it just doesn't really know exactly what it's doing with those other things, I would say. But um and then like with with Sarah being written as a rather tropey character it's a very white movie. Yeah. Ben has a friend who is a black kid. We don't learn his name, I don't think. No, we just see him dance to slam dunk the funk. And then he <laughs> says a few like friend character things, which is frustrating because yeah. it's like this is a rare decom that has a black director, but there's mm-hmm. very little diversity to be seen in front of the camera or behind it uh otherwise true um which i'm sure is as a result of just the pressure of the studio oh it's not lavar burton's fault yeah no no uh, right but yeah it is very of the era in that regard yes speaking of ben's friends <laughs> ben's friends he's telling them about all the things pat can do and his friends are like wow, that's like having the world's most perfect mom who's only there to serve and who never complains. And Ben is like, exactly. So it's like, okay, it's like, well, I guess that's how we view moms. (laughs) Fascinating. So that's awesome. Um, I'll give it one and a half nipples and it's all going to the strawberry smoothie, which for some reason is blue. I'm going to give it two and a half. I really, I think part of that is nostalgia driven, but I think that mm. I think the Sarah character is done a huge disservice by not uh, exploring the more interesting aspects of her character and just relegating her to this role that is not even necessary in this movie. I totally agree with you that the, I, there was way more space in this movie, like, and the ingredients are there, but it seems like the writers like are just not equipped to, turn them into something (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. of like examining like what are the expectations of a mother and why in most cases is that unfair and based in a lot of historical patriarchy and like all this stuff like there is Mm -hmm. space in this movie and within the characters of Sarah and Pat to explore that and I think that 
the movie definitely elects to go for a technology cautionary tale over an examination of uh, gender roles. But I think it was mm-hmm. possible to to actually effectively do both and that the each point would be made stronger by including the other. Um, we know that because there are movies that have done that before and since and <laughs> there is space for that here and it's disappointing that uh, it doesn't happen but it is like yeah. I really think it's an awesome movie especially for a movie of this genre I, I like the ideas put forth in Sarah's character I love Pat she's an icon I love her I want to see a, <laughs> a smart house drag show like mm, oh wow and and I and I like the dynamic of like a sort of like a <laughs> an all female reboot of Frankenstein where like you get the creator and the and, like and I I wish that we had gotten more between Sarah and Pat and like watch that relationship go sour if the mm-hmm. movie really does want Sarah to turn against Pat I would love for it to have been for a reason other than my boyfriend right so but but I think that there are so many interesting ideas put forward in this movie and it's like it feels like as close to like a technology kind of jump scare story that kids of this generation got. And a lot of it holds up really well. And so uh, it's not an intersectional win by any stretch of the imagination, but I think it's like a really well-told story and I, there's not a lot like it out there for kids. Um, That's true. So I'm going to go 2.5 and I'm going to give one to Pat. I'm going to give one to Angie. I'm going to give the last half to Gwen because uh, she didn't get to do anything. Wow. Yeah. And there you go, listeners. That is our Smart House episode of the Bechtel cast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the style of this episode, Mm -hmm. well... There's about 150 more where that came from. <laughs> it's true, uh, which is all found on our Matreon, patreon.com slash Bechtelcast, where we do two episodes every month, usually as a part of a fun little theme. In July, we're doing sleepover movies. Yeah, and we're having a sleepover to mark the occasion. Ooh, exactly. It's such a blast over there. And yeah, it's like generally more casual and goofy and it's, it's fun. So fun. We slam dunk the funk over there. We're going to be dancing in unison at our sleepover (laughs) for sure. Yeah. The house jump, jump. The house is jumping over on the Matreon. And by house, we do, of course, mean one bedroom apartment. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, you can also find us uh, on social media, which I'm sure Pat's been mining our information oh. over there. Disgusting of her, but I love her. Um, <laughs> you can you can find us every, on Twitter and Instagram at Bechtelcast or grab some merch over at tpublic.com slash the Bechtelcast. Wow. Caitlin, do you want to go out and get some definitely strawberry milkshakes? Yes. But only if they're blue for some reason. Oops, I spilled. Don't worry. The floor absorbers will suck it up. Okay, bye. Bye.
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right now, there are close to 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country. Lambda Legal is leading the charge against these hateful bills that target mostly trans and non-binary people. You can fight discrimination and help write the next chapter of Lambda Legal history. To learn more about their open cases and to donate, visit lambdalegal.org. That's lambdalegal.org.